Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, a presentation of Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called Life Study. This Life Study is the basis for our program today and includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's program. Mark chapter 2 gives us the account of the Lord Jesus as the slave Savior carrying out his gospel service to care for the need of fallen people. It's a marvelous chapter that shows us five cases or incidents, each one demonstrating this loving care in a particular way, meeting the need of all manner of weak, sick, and sinful people. What a picture of the glad tidings being lived out in their midst. Of course, not all the people were eager and happy to see such a manifestation of the reality and enjoyment of God. The scribes and Pharisees, the self-righteous and religious among the people, were indignant that their own authority and their time-honored traditions were completely ignored by the Lord Jesus. For as he himself told them, those who are strong have no need of a physician, but those who are ill. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Ron Kangas is with us. We are in this delightful chapter, chapter 2 of the Gospel of Mark. And uh, Ron, I like the portion before us today. We just had a uh, program touching the first part of this chapter, and maybe you could review a little bit about this first of these five cases, the Lord Jesus not just healing a sick, paralytic man, but really the demonstration of his authority in forgiving his sins and how important this is as the first of these five cases revealing uh, his caring for the fallen ones. And it's not that he set out to uh, make any kind of issue of his authority. Of course, he exercised the authority of God committed to him in that situation. It was because of the protests from the religious party. How can this person forgive sins? Who can forgive sins? but God only. And that's not an unreasonable question, but it does point to the blindness common among religionists yesterday and today in not realizing who Jesus is. So then the Lord, once again, uh, and this is fairly common in the Gospels, he manifested himself that we may come to know him. So we should know him as the one, the Son of Man, the Son of God, the King Savior, the Slave Savior, the Man Savior, the God Savior. He has authority on earth to forgive sins. I would just add this kind of as a footnote, so to speak. I don't want to be in a situation in any way of being the religious spies and the traditionalists, the self-righteous, the strong, not taking the position at the Lord's feet of being a sinner, of being one who is ill, one who needs a Savior, 
and one who needs a physician. Mm. But by the Lord's mercy, we would fellowship in this kind of spirit, and we would, under his blessing, endeavor to foster this kind of spirit among the Lord's children, not to be the spying religionists, but to be the repentant publicans and sinners, unashamedly needing the Lord as the Savior and as the physician. And as the physician, he's here not to judge, but to heal. Mm. How marvelous. How marvelous is right. Well, you've given a good introduction here, uh, as well as a good review. Now we come to case two, and it is this case of Matthew, or Levi, as he's called, uh, prior to his being called by the Lord. And the account is in chapter two, verse 13, it begins, and he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd came to him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they were following him. So, Ron, just a simple word, follow me. And not only does this one uh, from this uh, course background that we'll learn about more in Witness Lee's uh, sharing here in a moment, not only does he rise up immediately and follow him, but he prepares a feast for him, invites his circle of friends, others who could be put in the category of the sinful, the weak, and the sick. All right, here's Witness Lee with our first portion. The second instant was that after the Lord did this miracle, he went out to uh, the place which was very close to the sea. Capernaum at that time was a center of the highway. So there was a tax collect station. And uh, there was an officer by the name Levi. And he was also called Matthew, the Lord Jesus, and saw him, and he called him to follow. And Matthew followed. <laughs> the record is very simple. And you know, uh, later on, this Matthew was appointed to be one of the twelve apostles. Uh, one of the twelve apostles was a tax collector. The tax collector at that time among the Jews were not so good as the tax collectors here in the U.S. <laughs> in ancient time, those tax collectors were Jews working for the Roman government. They were helping a kind of Roman imperialism to extort the Jewish nation and Jewish people. So these Jewish collectors, they betrayed their country. They betrayed their people. They were very mean, even meaner than the bank robbers. So, you know, in the New Testament, they are compared with prostitutes. Prostitutes was a term given to the immoral women. Among the Jews at that time, the very, very mean females were the prostitutes. And the very, very mean men were the tax collectors. So you could see uh, the prostitutes, tax collectors, and the sinners. All these are on the same level. 
Yet one of these kind of mean persons got called. You know, before the Lord Jesus did this, he did the same thing in chapter 1. He was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Peter and Andrew. Then he saw another two brothers, John and uh, James. The Lord Jesus called them. They just followed. And here again, the same thing happened. Uh, this uh, uh, officer of the tax collecting station sitting there, the Lord Jesus called him, follow me. And this crazy man followed. <laughs> Not only followed, my goodness, then he <laughs> went back home. He set up a big feast, inviting whom? Not the gentlemen, ladies. Inviting tax collectors, sinners. And this wonderful Jesus uh, attended that feast. Ron, we already had a chance at the beginning to have a little fellowship on this point, but it's worth coming back to. Just the scene here that's portrayed. Uh, here's Matthew, this vile one, you know, certainly who's despised by uh, all these religious righteous ones for sure, and probably most of the populace as well. And then his circle of friends, including other tax collectors and sinners, publicans as they're called, and perhaps even some who fell into the category of prostitutes. And they're all at this table enjoying this feast with the Lord Jesus in their midst. And what a contrast this presents to the religious spies that you were talking about at the beginning. No doubt Matthew had this feast, this dinner, in honor of the Lord to testify of his new life and to invite the people in his circle to meet the Lord. And he just did not move in the religious, self-righteous echelon of society. His friends were fellow tax collectors and sinners. The Lord Jesus in the Bible is called the friend of sinners. Mm. We know from Hebrews that in his ministry, he was separate from sinners, meaning he was not defiled by that contact. He remained holy. He remained pure. Nevertheless, he was a friend of sinners. And people may be grossly sinful, but they can smell the difference between religion and the Lord and someone today expressing the Lord in his divinely enriched humanity especially in his being the friend of publicans and sinners. So here we have the Lord Jesus, his disciples, Matthew now among the disciples, Matthew's circle of friends, then the religious party, appalled by the Lord's feasting with this kind of person, and raised objections, but those objections as I think we'll see, gave the Lord yet another opportunity to reveal himself. Let's take a a look at the uh, next few verses because it does uh, develop this point, uh, beginning at 16, verse 16 and 17 in chapter 2. The scribes of the Pharisees, seeing that he ate with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are strong have no need of a physician, but those who are ill. 
I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And Ron, these verses make clear that uh, the scribes and Pharisees were very, very aware of his actions by this time, who he was uh, spending his time with. So apparently they were watching him in a rather uh, covert manner, as Witness Lee will point out in this coming portion. If you read the Bible, I mean the Gospel, carefully, you could realize and you could find out the scribes, the Pharisees, they're always like spies. To the Lord Jesus, they were somewhat like the FBI. (laughs) Following him, wherever he went, they followed. Whatever he did, they saw. Whatever he spoke, they heard secretly. Otherwise, how could they know? that the Lord went there to attend such a feast set up by a uh, top tax collector with all the sinners. So they uh, were not away with this. They talked to the Lord's disciples. What? Your teacher is feasting? How come your master has this kind of freedom? to eat with this kind of low people. And uh, this time, right away, uh, this is the Lord Jesus. He answered, you know, the strong ones, they don't need a physician, but the sick ones. This word out of the mouth of the Lord indicated that he considered himself as a physician. And he considered all his contacts as what? Patients. Then how about you scraps? Are you strong or weak? Are you sick? Are you healthy? You are more sick than these tax collectors, but you would not admit. So I cannot heal you. I am the physician coming to heal you, yet you wouldn't admit that you are sick. And I have to tell you, I come to call the sinners, not the righteous ones. His word was marvelous. Well, Ron, here the Lord has this encounter with the religious spies. As we said, we're you know closely monitoring, trying to trip him up, catch him in some compromising situation, and surely now they thought they had him. It strikes me his word to them is very ironic because of all the people there, perhaps in a very genuine, real way, they were the ones that were the sickest and the most in need of kind of healing. But their blindness really keeps them from it, doesn't it? They were um, deceived by their religion, by their self-righteousness, by their self-confidence. And as a result, they did not meet the fundamental condition of receiving the healing and the care from the physician. And that condition is they would not admit that they were ill. So the Lord was there as the physician, not as a judge. I was impressed as you were reading the scripture verses where the Lord said, I did not come to call the righteous but sinners. He is a calling Savior, Mm. but he doesn't call the healthy. He doesn't call the righteous. He calls those who are ill and who admit they're ill. He calls those who are sinners and who admit that they're sinners. 
It reminds me of that portion in Matthew where the Lord says that tax collectors and the sinners, they will enter into the kingdom ahead of you, referring to the religious ones. I say again, we need a particular mercy from the Lord not to end up being religiously self-righteous. It's a great mercy to admit to ourselves and to admit to God, we are not well. We are very ill in our whole being and need the Lord's healing based upon his redemption. And we are incredibly fallen intrinsically in the constituent of our being and the living out of this in our behavior. And we need forgiveness. We need a Savior. It is a mercy beyond words to explain, to be able to come to the Lord and say, I'm sick. I need you. I'm a sinner. I need you. At that moment, coming to him as the gospel, him encourages us to do just as we are. We meet the Lord is this wonderful person, the physician, the Savior, the one who has authority to forgive sins. We have the joy of forgiveness. Then we have the joy of salvation. As we, listen to this, feast with him, enjoying him in his delightful presence. Well, that takes us to our third section. Let's join Witness Lee. The feasting with Jesus was the enjoyment of God with Jesus. All the sinners lost the enjoyment of God. All the sinners have been captured away from God and from the enjoyment of God to be the slaves of Satan. No enjoyment, no peace, no joy. But the Lord Jesus, firstly, he forgives their sins. And then by forgiving their sins, he brings them all into the enjoyment of God. After you got saved, didn't you have the experience that you enjoy something like a feast? Let me say this. If you have been saved, yet you never had a feast, that means you never have the joy of God's salvation. Your kind of being saved is not adequate. It's not uh, so complete. A complete salvation always, firstly, includes forgiveness of sin. Secondly, it also includes a kind of joy. Joy in God. What is the joy in God then? That is your enjoyment of God. And that enjoyment of God is a feast. I still can remember when I was 19, I got saved. My, the joy, just the joy. Even the heaven became so pleasant. You know, before I got saved, a number of times I complained the heaven. I complained the earth. I complained everything. I was unhappy with everything. I think many of us were like that. I'm right. But, hallelujah. 
at the time when we got saved, my goodness, everything was so pleasant. That was what is called in the Bible the joy of salvation. The joy of salvation is just a feast. It's just feasting with Jesus. You check with your experience. Right after you got saved, you had your sins forgiven. My joy within you. Oh, you just consider Jesus so good, so wonderful. You were so joyful. That is feasting with Jesus. That is the enjoyment of God. And that is a strong proof that you have been brought back to God. You were no more far from God. You've been brought to God. Ron, time is short. We only have a a minute or two, but I couldn't help but be reminded of my own experience and uh, the joyful kind of feasting experience that I was ushered into after I got over the delight of realizing my sins had been forgiven. And he just pointed out in this portion, this is really not insignificant, is it? For newly saved ones to experience this kind of joy and feasting with their dear Savior, a real enjoyment of God. The Bible calls it the joy of of salvation. No doubt we have in our listening audience, you know, believers from all different kinds of backgrounds. Some uh, might have had quite a dynamic salvation, and immediately they had this kind of feasting spirit, this sense of joy with the Lord. Others might have been saved initially in a very different way, And I would say to them in particular, uh, the Lord has been reserving something for you Mm. that he would like you to partake of uh, because it might never have been clearly presented to you before, and that is your right, based upon the forgiveness of sins, to enjoy the Lord Jesus as a feast. He wants you to have the joy of, of your salvation, by which we mean not some fleeting emotion, you know, some ephemeral happiness, but something much deeper than that. According to Luke 15, there's joy in heaven. There's joy among the angels of God when a sinner repents. If there's joy in heaven, and there is, it's normal for there to be joy on earth and joy in our hearts, which is portrayed as the feast here. Feasting to express the sheer joy of having our sins forgiven, of having eternal life, of having Christ as the Spirit live in us. We're not here preaching. We're just speaking person to person in a divinely human way to our listeners. May the Lord grant to so many of you dear ones, a fresh sense, or if you never had it, the sense of the joy of salvation. Dear friend, you are invited to a feast. And in this feast, there is not a judge. There's a physician, there's a savior, and you will enjoy him with your fellow believers those who were called, not because they were righteous, but because they were sinners. 
What a mercy that we heard the call. What a grace that we now have the joy of our salvation, as altogether we feast with him and upon him. Wonderful. Praise him. Wonderful. I would echo that, and I would also echo your praise to such a one, Ron, who has uh, called us and brought us to this banqueting table. And his banner over us here is love. This is our portion. This is our inheritance. And uh, we pray that each of these programs would be a miniature of this kind of feasting with him. Always good to have you and appreciate your help today. Always good to coordinate in one spirit, with one soul, to minister the unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We do invite you to contact us about the printed material that supplements these radio programs. It does more than supplement. I would say maybe it's reverse. Maybe our programs supplement a little bit the printed material, these life study messages. We hope you'll contact us to get these for yourself. Our toll-free number, if you'd like to reach us, is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. For Ron Kangas, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you so much for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.